Welcome to a live preaching message from Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan, New York. Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan is the Apache branch of the Lighthouse Chapel International Churches in the United States of America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they might be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. We thank you because you have made a church that was as small as a mustard seed into this great church around the world. We thank you because it is your doing. Your word says that it is you who blesses the work of both the planter and that you are the one who also watches the word. You have made this church to grow into what it has become. Today we give you praise and we give you glory that you have been faithful to your servant, Bishop Dag, that you have been faithful to your call on his life. And we thank you for your gift to this church. We are grateful, Lord. Bless your word this afternoon. Let it bring light, let it bring direction. Above all, let it please you. Let it accomplish that which you have purposed. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are grateful to God this International Sunday. We are grateful to him because he called a medical student so many years ago, and he has turned that medical student cell group and church and every Bible study that he ever had on that campus in Legon into a church around the world. If you knew that church from that beginning, and I'm privileged to have known it, you will know that it is the doing of the Lord. You cannot come from Africa and be around the world the way Bishop Dag is if God is not with you. No one can do what he is doing without God's hand on them and on their life. We don't worship him. We just bless God for the gifts. We bless God for the vessel that has been obedient to the word of God. We bless God because, you see, it's not just a matter of God doing a work. There has to be a vessel that God can work through, a vessel that has been obedient to the call, a vessel that God can use. The vessel has to work in God's hands. So many times God cannot use us because we are not what he wants us to be. So we bless God when we see a vessel that has been used by God, that is still being used by God, and we give God all the glory this International Sunday. This International Sunday, I, I, I want to tell you something that I believe I've told maybe one of the smaller branches I've passed. I don't know whether I've ever said it here, but even if I've said it here, there's probably something that some people have never heard me say. Uh, I remember when church started, and we weren't that many, and we were in the school of hygiene, for those of you who know the history of the church. And I remember my dad said to me, you guys are, you, you, you are, you are, you are university students, you are university graduates. How do you call something international that is just, <laughs> just you? <laughs> it's a group of you. You used to be on the campus. Now some of you are working, some of you have moved on to grad school. The others are in medical school. How do you call it international? And I didn't have an answer. 
You know, sometimes the mistake we make these days is that we try to have an answer for everything. Ah, I didn't have an answer. We didn't always know what we were doing. We just, we were just Christians. And if um, through all the different titles we've called the bishop from overseer, when I first met him, that's what he was. He was Calvary Road overseer on Legon campus. You get me? Then he became a pastor. Then he became a reverend. Then he became a bishop. You get me? In addition to being a medical doctor. What I'm trying to say is that when you are being asked questions that you cannot answer about the word of God and the things of God, leave it to God. You see, you can't explain, if he can explain everything, then he's not God. He is sovereign. He is the one who knew all those years ago how a fellowship began by a medical student despised by the men of God in his city would become an international church. It's God who knows how you will become what you will become. It's God who knows the call he has placed on your life. It's God who can see a shepherd boy and see a king. Is it when everybody sees the, the youngest child in the house who is not important enough to be called when there are important guests? When others see a shepherd boy, God can see a king. And it is God who can make you a king. It is God who can make you a queen. It is God who can make you to reign in this life. It is God who does that. You don't have to worry about what your life looks like now. If God has made a promise to you, if he has said that he will use you, if he has said that he will bless you, if he has said that he will take you places, if he has said that he will give you a ministry, it will happen. You see, he is not a respecter of persons. He has never been a respecter of persons. If he did it for Bishop Doug and you are in this church and you are, you are faithful to your calling and you are faithful to his word, you will see his hand in your life. You will wake up one day and you'll be the one preaching to the largest congregation in the U.S. or someone else. Because it is the calling in the house and it is the gifting in the house that a medical student from a small country in West Africa can have the kind of ministry that Bishop Doug has today. So... I don't know how much time I have to preach, but allow the word of God to have free course in your life this afternoon. Amen. Last week we were talking about Esther, but before I start preaching, I want everyone to send his greetings. He's in the midst of the doom so, but he's well and happy in the Lord. He's preaching in about, I think, eight or ten branches in the Ashanti region. That's the, that's the job he's been giving this uh, uh, on this trip to Accra. So he's moving, and I was laughing at him because I told him that I'm sure that even though he's Ashanti, he didn't know the Ashanti region this well. Because <laughs> he's moving from town to town in the Ashanti region, and he's, and he's also having a blast. You know him, he's happy preaching, so he's also having a blast, and I'm sure he will tell you his own stories when he gets here. And then we are also just coming back from Atlanta, Georgia, where Bishop Saki ministered to us very, very powerfully. Bishop Saki is um, an amazing man of God. As he says, he, he said to us when we were at camp that he is an assisting pastor, not an insisting pastor. And that there is a difference between being an assisting person, an assisting pastor or an assisting wife, than being an insisting one who must have your way. When you speak, you don't recognize that there is a head over you. And so once you have an opinion and you think that you are right, you go on insisting. And he really blessed us. And if you weren't at camp, you should get the message. I mean, the, the, the atmosphere was different. We have come back refreshed. We have come back stronger. And we believe that God is going to do great things in our midst. And then he launched three books of bishops, which he says that 
there will be no e-books. So if you didn't get your copies of those books, uh, some of us may be kind to you. On the other hand, we can also say that we are not done reading yet. But uh, he preached mostly from this book, The Anointed and His Anointing. He, has an he had another one, um, Wise as Serpents, I believe it was. What, as, what, was it Wise as Serpents or Be Wise as a Serpent? Okay. Then what was the third one? Who else was at camp? It had something to do with being a general and leadership. Oh, nobody from camp remembers the title of the third book. Come on. What was the title? A good general? Okay. Okay, a good general. Okay, so get copies of these books. You see, when you are in a good house like this, you should also uh, keep with what is going on. It's not enough to know only the old books. You must also be current in what is going on in the house right now. Uh, but today I'm not going to be preaching from the anointed and his anointing. I'm going to continue the message I was preaching last week about others. Because it's International Sunday and I believe that the message fits and I will leave the current messages to Reverend. So, um, last week we were studying about Esther from the book of Esther and we're talking that, I mean we're saying that he, she's, well not, she's the best example in the Bible of someone who taught about others. And we read through most of chapter 1. And I don't believe I have time to go through it. I, I, I hope whoever is timing me in the back is really keeping an eye on the time. Because it's such a long message that I, if I'm going to finish it, we are going to have a problem. So I'm going to do as much of it as um, I can do today. So last week we talked about Esther. And in chapter 1, we learned how... We said we couldn't talk about Esther without learning about her predecessor. So this week we are in chapter 2, I believe, right? What was the last verse we read last week? Last week we talked more about Vashti than about Esther. Because we needed to know about her predecessor because, before we could know about her. Chapter 2. What was the last verse last week? No one is going to help me out. The last verse last week. 17 and 18. Okay, 17 and 18 of Esther chapter 1. 17 and 18. Um, no verses are going to... Okay. Esther chapter 1 and verse 17. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes. When it shall be reported, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Medea say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. So we got to this point where, we went a little further, but it's fine. I am, we got to this point where Esther has, Vashti has refused to come before the king. And Bishop, I don't want the ladies to get angry with me today, but we are preaching the word. And in your, in your mind, realize that I'm as much, I mean, if you're married, I'm married too. So the word is for all of us. So just relax and hear the word of God. So Vashti, so the, the ladies should just, you know, sometimes just have to tell yourself it is the word of God. You can't can only like the part of the word that sounds nice to you. You have to like the entire word of God. 
So Vashti has refused to do what the king said. And the thing about refusing to do what your head says is that it means you have come to a point where you no longer see the person as your head. You get me? I mean, it's, it's been a long while. For, somebody said, for how long can we keep on saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. For how long can we keep on, that, 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 for how long can we keep, keep on submitting? How many years can you keep on submitting? Check your Bible. There's nowhere where it says that when you've submitted for 10 years, you can stop. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that after five years, you can relax on the submission. There's nowhere where it says that after 15 years is enough. But if it says 15 years, oh, then some of us are true, you know? 24 years and counting, we are, we are through with the submission. But there's nowhere in the Bible where you are allowed to stop submitting if it is the word of God that we are reading. There's nothing like that in the Bible. You see, there's nothing like that in the Bible. There has never been, there will never be, unless you choose not to be a biblical wife. But in the church of God, in this church, we are not allowed not to be. You, you, you get me? You can ask the ladies who were at camp. People were asked to go to their husbands and thank them for the privilege of being married to them. It wasn't, I, I was quite happy that Reverend was not there. I mean, I, was, I had a good laugh on my row. People were moved. People were giving microphones. Hey, and and as, even as I was feeling quite happy, I was still getting my own portion right from the pulpit. So what I want to say is that there is no point at which you get to do whatever you like in the marriage. Think about it. Last week when we were talking, we said that what he asked her to do sounds very foolish. You have had a party for several days. You are drunk. Now you say, wear a crown. Come and be shown to people. And we talked last week about the fact that, you see, you find what you are doing, being asked to do difficult. In my language, I told you, Onapo, someone, I mean, somebody, somebody would, uh, Evelyn told us, told us that Onapo means you wish. Somebody won't mind your problem at all. What you consider a problem in this marriage to this important person is not a problem to somebody else. How do we know? Because when she was removed and the other person came, we never heard that the person had a problem with the parading in the crown and the other stuff. So sometimes, just before you are about to complain in your marriage, think about some of the things Bishop says that as you are listening, you know some of you don't listen at all. And then some of us, when you are listening, you are arguing in your head. Sometimes I'm driving my car, I, say, I just tell myself, he didn't just say that. He really didn't just say that. But he did. He, 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 he did say it. And I have a few friends who call and say, he, he, he really didn't say that. Then, then Walter said, he actually said it. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? That's what he said. That's the word for you. And you see, any word that you find challenging is the word that you should concentrate on. Not the things you find easy. Because sometimes you find some part of the word easy. And so, that's when you shall preach. You get, you, you get what I'm saying? I mean, you say preach because it applies to somebody else. It's, that's not your problem. It's one of the things you do with ease. Typically, when we say preach, it's the things we find easy. And, and, and the things uh, we think that, um, other, or the things we feel that other people are struggling with. And we don't mind watching their struggle. You, you get what I'm saying? But when you find something challenging in the word of God, then you're supposed to pray to God for grace and strength because it is still the word of God. Nothing has changed. God hasn't changed his mind. One of the things I heard Bishop say about this message is that a lot of, a lot of the stuff in marriage is, I'm quoting the bishop directly, I don't want any problems. A lot of the stuff in marriage is nonsense. Think about it. Isn't it nonsense that you are having your meeting somewhere else in the palace? Then he sends for you, and then when he sends for you, he says you should wear a crown and come and parade. It, it, I mean, bishop says, you say, I don't like nonsense. You cannot be, you cannot be married. Or you can, I, I, I have an addition to that. You cannot be married for a long time. 
if you don't like nonsense. You, you cannot be married. And then the, the, the other bit of it is that you cannot be married for a long time if you do not like nonsense. Because a lot of marriage is nonsense. A lot of marriage is nonsense. Think about it. On the man's side, according to the bishop, it's not natural for a man to stay with one woman. So as he's staying with one woman and the woman is giving him instructions that he doesn't want to obey, on his side, it is also nonsense. Oh? On his side, it is also nonsense. Reverend Joe, isn't it nonsense on the man's side too? Bishop says it is supernatural for a man to live with one woman. So as he's living with one woman and she's telling him stuff he also doesn't want to hear, it is also nonsense on that side. If you don't like nonsense, you shouldn't marry. Because a lot of it will be nonsense to you. A lot of it will be nonsense that you cannot ask anybody who has been married for a long time. You must deal with the nonsense and learn to be like Esther who never had a problem. Bishop says he's sure all Esther's life. You know, I've never thought about it like that. That she never said no when the king called her. Because she remembered what happened the last time. So we are supposed to remember what happened to proud people like Vashti so that we can be humble. Because we remember that the Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And when we remember that, then we are being like, like Esther because she could think of others. One of the things that helped Esther to be who she was was the fact that she had fathers in her life and she could listen to instruction. She had fathers in her A lot of us don't like instruction. We don't, have inst we don't like instructions. We don't like to be told what to do. I told you last week that one of the easiest things to say in the world is no. But from the time a child is two, everybody likes to say no. No to the word, no to whoever is talking, no to your parents, no to your teachers, no to your professor. No, everything, your first response is no, I will not. You see, and then the not is also very, very strong. I will not, I won't do it. I'm not about to, to, to do it. And that's what Vashti said. So when you are saying no in all areas of life, remember Vashti and her refuser. And make sure that your no is not said in the place that is about to bring you shame and disgrace. Now, I just want to say that when people hear Vashti, they also hear, ah, okay, that applies to people who have important husbands. Or people who have husbands who seem important. But sometimes I want to ask, what's the criteria for importance? Because importance is relative. Oh? Importance is relative. You can live... Years ago, I had these friends. They were a Ghanaian doctor's family. And they lived in Maine. They, they don't live in Maine anymore. And one Thanksgiving, we drove down. And I was so tickled because in their town, in a small town in Maine, I, I believe it was called... It was, the name of the town was Norwich Walk or something like that. I forgot it. Look, they are known... They, they greet her in the, in the shop. And I said, ah, where in New Jersey or New York will anybody greet you because you're the doctor's wife? It's, because it's a very small town. So importance is relative. So in that town, they couldn't mention her name. So they would say, everywhere you went, Mrs. Sapia guy, Mrs. Sapia guy, Mrs. Sapia. I said, ah, they know you everywhere. It's a small town. They don't have doctors there. If a doctor comes to live there, whether it's black or green or blue or white, they know him. In that small town, he's important. Come to New York and New Jersey. Even your next door neighbor doesn't know what you do. I mean, importance is relative. You, 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 go, you go what I'm saying. So, but having said that importance is relative, the Bible says that all wives are supposed to respect their husbands, whether great or small. So even the Bible acknowledges that. 
there's greatness and there's smallness where husbands are concerned. And even if you feel that your husband is a small husband, even if you feel that your husband is not like, like, like reverence, nobody has said it. You yourself are, are thinking like that. Even if you feel whatever category you think your husband falls into, the respect is demanded, the submission is required by the word of God, and the despisement is not allowed. Your husband doesn't have to be educated. He doesn't have to be rich. He doesn't have to be powerful. That's the summary of the whole matter. Oh? He doesn't have to be any of those things. He doesn't, nothing is required. All husbands, both great and small. Can someone please find me that the verse which talks about all husbands, both great and small. I found it myself. Okay, verse 29, I believe. When the king's decree which he will make is proclaimed throughout all his empire, for it is great, all wives will honor their husbands, both great and small. Applies to all, everybody. It applies to every married woman. Doesn't matter who you marry. It applies to you. It doesn't only apply to the people on the front row. So you don't have to see, you don't sit there and think that. It applies to Nicola and Lady Pastor, Auntie Felicia, Anita. Those are the people that it applies to. It applies to everybody who is married. The only way it's not applying to you is if you are still single. Otherwise, it applies to you. And then Bishop talks about how in so many other ways we can be proud. All the other ways in which we can all be proud. At work, if you are proud, you will probably leave very soon. I heard someone, I've heard people say, I've worked here for 20-something years. You should respect the person greatly. It means that the person has been able to deal with whatever the boss brings their way. You should respect anybody who says that very greatly. Yes. Because you, everywhere you work, you are out in six months. You are out in a year. You are out in less than three months. Another, another group of people you should always respect are people who have had their friends for a long time. Lady Raymond told me a long time ago, be very wary of anybody who doesn't have old friends. Every friend they have, they've had their friend for six months, one year, two years. Very, very wary. Anybody, you see, who, who doesn't have any old friends, they can never introduce anybody. The person is 50. She can't introduce anybody to you that she's known for 30 years. You can't introduce anybody to you that she's known for 20 years. She can't introduce anybody to you. Because by the time you are 50, you've been, it's been a long while since you were uh, 20. You don't have any friends from that age group. All your friends, you met them six months ago. They don't know you well. They are about to discover a whole lot of things about you. All your friends met you six months ago. One year ago? Two years ago? No, 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 no. Right, be very, so somebody who has had, kept friendships where it means that a lot, it means that life has happened. And since life has ups and downs, and the person has kept the friends through all that, the person is a faithful person. The person is capable of being faithful. The only reason why you shouldn't have old friends is if they are friends who will leave you astray from, from, from Christ. But for some people, that's not what it was. Even if it's Christian friends, they, still, they don't have the same friends anymore. You, don't, they, you never have the same friends. We want to be like Esther because she remembered others. You see, if you don't remember others, when you, are, when you rise to a high place like Esther did, you will live a high life. The Bible says, be not high-minded. Be not high-minded. You get back, condescend to men of low estates. A lot of us, the higher we go on li in life, it means that 
We don't know anything. You know, every time we mention, you see, doom saw is funny in the sense that it's not easy to live with. But you should still be able to go back and live with it. That's where we are from. That's where we are come from. We shouldn't talk about it in terms of, it's, it's, it's true, it's, it's an example of bad leadership. It's an example of so many things. But you should, still shouldn't despise the people who have to live with it. Shouldn't despise the people who have no other choice. Because a lot of people have no other choice. I mean, and, and we forget, you get me, we forget everything about where we've come from, what has happened to us, and the plight of people does not even concern us. You see the phone ringing, you see the number, 233, I mean, no, not picking up. These days, you don't pick up numbers from such area codes. You deal in 718 and 201 and, 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 and then 347 and stuff like 233 is not your thing at all. But who make it you to differ from another? The Bible says that no one makes you to differ from another. It could just as easily have been you as the next person. So, some years ago, I read, I read in Charisma magazine that by the year 20-something, 20 2020 or something like that, the most common demographic among Christians worldwide would be an African woman. The most common demographic in Christians worldwide would be an African woman because the demographic in Christianity is changing. Now, as it is changing, an African woman is an African woman. Whether you speak with an accent, Lafa, whichever type, natural born, locally acquired, an African woman is an African woman. You may not realize that you are an African woman, but just think about it. How at work, people always ask you, where are you from? Even with your best accent on, people still ask, where are you from? And you, are one, and you are thinking that you have really tried to lighten the accent. But people still ask where you are from. The fact that people ask you where you are from. Ask your children whether anybody asks them where they are from because of what they, what they are saying. The fact that people still ask you where you are from is that you are, you, 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 you are spotted a mile away. And as soon as you speak, people know, people know that you are not from here. You are also convinced that you are from here. You are not from here. If you were from here, nobody would ask you what they are asking you. You should be so high-minded. You see, high-minded. Like, you see, that when they were doing, I mean, um, acting the little sketch, you see how we can all have, we have minds about each other. Mm, Jamaican, Jamaican woman, mm. Then we have our comment. Then, gang woman, mm. Fancy woman, this. Tree woman, that. And, 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 and we, are, we are even worse when we don't understand Gabon, these French people, and these French people, they haven't done anything to you. It is you who cannot dance. They can dance. They can dance and they don't mind dancing. They haven't done anything. Bishop Sam has always said that the French people, their dance is in their waist. And you shouldn't even try. If you're it's a British West Africa, their waist don't function that way. <laughs> it's like the British, the British uh, stiffness left us a certain heritage dance-wise. And unless we tend to our African dance, it doesn't work. But the French, they are fine. Cry. I mean, they, they can't. They, they can dance. They, they, they have always been able to dance. But I was glad to see that some of our people can also dance because we can also not let them take over the whole dance. We want to be like Esther. We want to think of other people. People who come from where we come from. People who, are, who don't have what we have. If you are waiting to have every single experience, every single experience before you care, because usually that's how we are. If we become widowed, then we form a group for widows. 
if we become orphans, or we were orphans when we were children, we form a group for orphans. If we become a prisoner for a while, then when we come out, we form a group for prisoners. You can't have every single experience before you do something about it. In Esther chapter 2, the Bible says that after these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus subsided, he remembered Vashti, what she had done, and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's servants who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers, officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan the citadel into the women's quarters, under the custody of Hegai the king's eunuch, custodian of the women. And let beauty preparations be given them. Then let a young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. One of the things that helps humility is when you realize that you can always be replaced. Esther is also Bishop's favorite example of replacements. There's quite a number of stories in the Bible about replacements. Elisha and Elijah is one of them. Like, so, so Elijah is crying about his job. You see, sometimes we, we are mourning, even sometimes about our job, about our position. And God already has a replacement. Because God is never out of options. So if the singing is difficult for you, God has a replacement. If the preaching is difficult for you, God has a replacement. If being a wife is difficult for you, God has a replacement. Being a husband is too much for you, God has a replacement. The way God is, he's never out of options. He's, never, he's just merciful. But as for options, he has the options. You, 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 you get what I'm saying? So, it says, it says, it says here that, then let, uh, it, say, it's, uh, it talks about a better than she. I'm looking for the verse that says a better than she. I'll get there in a bit. It says, in, in Shushan, the citadel, and let beauty preparations be given them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. The fact that somebody can be put in your place instead of yourself should suggest to all of us that you are not indispensable. And then people say, ah, oh, that doesn't sound romantic. You get me? It doesn't sound romantic at all. This church now, when you, they talk about marriage, it doesn't sound romantic. Or oh, Auntie Felicia, it doesn't sound nice. There's no, nothing, nothing romantic about it. You can't, I mean, I mean, it should be nicer than that. You're supposed to find the one. Oh, I have these young friends. They tell me a lot of interesting things. They, they went to college here. They said, you are supposed to find the one. And they spell the one with a capital O. And then they, they, one of them got married. And they, 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 her, her, I don't know what I call her, call him beloved or boyfriend. Because she's one of these Christian Swiss. Neither here nor there. But anyway, let's, for the sake of... For the sake of story, let's stick to beloved. So they were, they were in this, um, they went to the Grand Canyon, you see, and then they recorded the proposal, you see. So they brought it back and everybody was ooing and eyeing on the campus. I don't want to mention the campus because then it, it will give away what I'm, I mean, the person I'm talking about. So they were ooing and eyeing about the proposal and they were talking and then one lady pastor asked them a couple of questions. So you are spoiling the romantic part of the whole thing. The whole thing is about the proposal, what happened, how many flowers, what was there, what wasn't there. And they don't want to hear submission. They don't want to hear respect and honor for life. They don't want to hear obedience. They don't want to hear quote-unquote nonsense. I don't want to hear any of those things. But everything in its time and in its place, because all those other things must also come up. You see? So it says that someone is, can be put in your place. The fact that you can be replaced, that you're not the only person who does what you do. In your marriage, for your children, 
in church. Haven't you noticed, all of us noticed in church how sometimes, sometimes if this person leaves, what will we do? If this person leaves, the church will go on. God has many children. God can do what he has always done. God will raise somebody else up. So because of that, do what you are doing well. Ask God for grace and mercy when it gets tough. But do it well. I, I mean, a, a friend of mine said to me, but the way they talk about the women in the church, she called me, she said, what have the women done? What have the wives done? Mercy on the wives. You see, I said, I, said, I mean, wait a minute. I mean, I was confused. I mean, it's like, every message is about the wives. Every message. Is, I said, I don't think so. I mean, I've heard a lot of messages that I don't hear the wives in it. Oh, and not all the messages are about the wives. Are all the messages about the wives? I don't think so. I've, what message have you, heard of, have you heard recently which is not about the wives? Reverend was preaching precious seats. I didn't think he referred to the wives. I thought he referred to all the Christians. Oh, Yes. I mean, precious seats refers to all the Christians. You are preaching the art of hearing. It refers to all the Christians. So it is in your mind that all the messages are about the wives. It's not true. All the messages are not about the wives. Uh, Bishop has been preaching... Uh, the elder, even when he preached others, he preached about the elder son. Didn't he preach about the elder son? For those of you who listen to the podcast, yes. There are so many other messages out there. But you see, the reason why she remembers the messages about the wives is that it is hitting at something in her life. The word of God is like a hammer. The word of God is many things. When it is, when it is the Bible says that it convicts of sin and of righteousness. When the spirit of truth comes, it convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And it is because you are resistant to something or you can feel that you have to spend some time with that part of the word that you feel that that is the entire message. And my, 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 what I said to her was that, listen, Peter had fished all night. You get what I'm saying? He was really exhausted. There are times in life when nobody is feeling spiritual. You are exhausted. You are overwhelmed. You are sad, it's difficult, it's hard, it's too much. Nobody is saying that. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, he delivers him from. Nobody is saying that marriage doesn't get tough. Nobody is saying that your job doesn't get tough. Nobody is saying that you, 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 you will never feel unappreciated in the, in the house of God or wherever else. But what we are saying is that the word of God says, you see, you must always have, Peter said to Jesus, nevertheless, I have fished all night and taken nothing. Sometimes you feel like telling the Lord, this submission, I've been doing it for a long time. The results it is giving me, I don't like it. The results it is producing, I do not like it. I don't, I, I don't appreciate the disrespect. I don't appreciate the disgrace. I don't appreciate, you see, you, the pain. I don't appreciate the suffering. I don't appreciate anything about it anymore. But you say, nevertheless, at thy word, if you are able to say at the word of God, that because it is the word of God, I will do it then God gives you grace to go on. Because what, is, what other option do you have? We are Christians. What is the other option? I said, I mean, I said to her, what is the other option? You're going to stop being a Christian? You've been a Christian since you were a teenager? You've been a Christian since you were 20? You've been a Christian for so... What is the other option? Give us another option. Give the, give the wives another option. Give anybody in the ministry another option. America is one of the places where pastors resign. They, they get tired. They suffer from what the Americans call burnout. Yeah. You get me? So, it's like, what is the other option? Are you going to quit? 
Are you going to get a divorce? I told you, Bishop says America is one of the places that spirit of divorce is very strong. We have to believe that one too. In the same way we have to believe him when he says that pride is the basic reason for divorce. Yeah. You have to believe what the man of God said. You have to believe it when you're crying. You have to believe it when it's painful. You have to believe that you are not indispensable. And because of that, you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Then I have good news for you. The Bible says that when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in due season, he will exalt you. He is, your, your spouse doesn't exalt you. Other people don't exalt you. It's God who exalts. It's God who promotes. It's God who, who does what he needs to do in your life. So you say nevertheless at your word. No matter what you think, no matter how, how you are feeling, no matter your emotions, that's what you do with the word. Then I want to say that the other thing about Esther is that she listened to fathers. She listened to Mordecai. She listened to her guy. And you will say, ah, but what she had to do was, was easy. No, 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 it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. She was an orphan. And if you have ever tried to help somebody who needs help, you know that it's not everybody who needs help who appreciates it. Yeah. Some people need help, but they don't appreciate it. Some people are poor, but they don't appreciate help. Some people are orphaned, and they don't appreciate... Sometimes the, the person wants to take money from you, but the person does not want to take advice from you. It's like, I will take your money. I will take your gifts, but you cannot tell me what to do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm broke. I will take the money, but I won't take the advice to go to school. I will take the money, but I won't do anything to help myself. But, but I will take the money. So she, Esther had a choice. Her father is dead. Her mother is dead. She doesn't have to do anything Mordecai says. But she did whatever Mordecai said. Let's, let's, let's look at her life. Whatever Mordecai said, she did it. She did whatever Mordecai said, she did. There's one verse I still haven't found. You know what, let me, let me look for it. Just give me a minute. It's the verse that talks about a better than she. Because I don't think I can, I can't preach the whole message, but I can talk about that. I want to talk about that before I go on. Better than she. Because it says of Vashti that the person who took her place, verse 19, thank you. It says of Vashti that the person who took her place was better than she. So not only are you not indispensable, but somebody can take your place who is better than you are. The emphasis being on better. There is always somebody who can do what you are doing better. If you are a wife, somebody can do it better. How do we know? Esther, Esther is the example. Vashti was there and she did it better because she was never thrown out of the position. If you are singing, somebody can sing better. If you are preaching, somebody can preach better. If you are working at the back, somebody can do it better. People can. There's always somebody who can do it better. And that's why favor is important in life. Because you must be chosen. And the thing about a lot of us is that at the point, I mean, it's like, I mean, what choosing? How many years ago, this one choosing that we must still pay homage to this choosing. But that is exactly the point. Because if you appreciate the, 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 the fact of being chosen, you don't get replaced by a better than she. You see, Bishop says, the Bible says, a better than she. It means that the person's general behavior and that the general effect the person has on the, whoever they are working for or who has chosen them is a better effect. Person that's, it's a total effect about... Of, what is being done? You see, a lot of us read about the... I have never thought about this better than she phrase in this passage. What I've always thought about is the fact that Esther is very beautiful 
and she went through all the beauty preparations. So I would have thought that Bishop would emphasize on the beauty. But Bishop says, it says better. They did it, it never, the Bible never says she was more beautiful than Vashti. The Bible says a better than she. There's always a better than you. So Bishop said to the, the ladies in first love, and it applies to all of us, be better, not just more beautiful. Be better. Because you see, a, a lot of people, some of us weren't raised that way. Some of us were raised in strict, by strict parents and in strict schools. And that's what we know. But some people, a lot of people are raised. They know, they know the beauty regimen. They know what to eat. They know what not to eat. They know what to do with their face. They know what to do with everything. They know what to wear, what not to wear. And that's your entire training. It gets you to a point in marriage. I understand from Bishop and the male pastors that at a point, they don't even notice. They don't even, my time is almost up. They don't even notice. Nobody notices your beauty if your character is bad. If your behavior has a bad effect on him and is producing a bad reaction within the person, the person doesn't notice your beauty. It's one of the shocking statements I have heard in the last two weeks, in the last two to three weeks as I've listened to the message. I have always thought that men only react to beauty. But Bishop says no. At a point, they don't notice because the behavior overshadows everything else. Behavior, bad behavior can overshadow everything else. I don't want to get a letter from any of the ladies. Bishop said it. I keep on emphasizing Bishop said because I don't want to get a letter. I, I, it, the, the word applies to me as well as to you. Bad behavior overshadows the outward joy impression. You can be, oh, you can say joy in prayer. Bishop likes talking about joy in prayer. I mean, yeah, yeah, joy, I mean, I don't know how to explain joy in prayer, but it's like everything nice about you is public. Inside, you are a painful experience for the person who has to live with you. Now, if you are a painful experience for someone, it typically, unless the person is very spiritual, provokes a more painful experience because it's your head. So your, your, your bad behavior provokes a more painful experience. And then it becomes a cycle. You get me? It's a cycle. Um, one bad experience, a painful experience, it provokes a more painful experience. I have a couple of friends who are divorced. They will tell you that that's, a lot of times that's how it happens. One painful experience provoking another one. Nobody ever stopping to say, I would just obey God. So we have a choice to listen to Bishop and learn to be like Esther and think about others. You see, and then when she became so great, Mordecai sent her another message. Some of us, okay, we have handled, we can handle that one. We will be good, we will behave. But now it's like my own goodness and my own submission. It has brought me to this place. So all the people I used to know, I don't want them to contact me anymore. I don't want to know what they need. I don't want to know how they are suffering. I don't want to know what help they, they need. Because you see, the submission, when they said it, you see, as for me, I did it to me. I always obey the word. I always obey the word. It's not true. Nobody always obeys the word. So, now you are high and mighty because your goodness has brought you, everybody needs grace and mercy. So, your goodness has brought you to a place and now you will not hear Mordecai anymore. How many of us, your father calls, you don't pick up. Your uncle calls, you don't pick up. People without whom you would never have graduated in this school. People who took care of you. You don't say anything to them. You don't respond to any request of theirs. Esther was not like that. When she was high and lifted up, when she was in a good place, even when it was dangerous to her, she helped the people of God. She thought about other people. But we have to think about other people as you live in this great land, if it is a great land. You get what I'm saying? 
a land in which men are marrying men and women are marrying women. Sometimes nowadays I'm not so sure. But if it is a great land, as you are here, think of other people. Think of the orphans. Think of the people on the crusades. Sometimes when you're watching the clips of the crusades, I don't know where to look. That's where we come from. It could easily be any of us. Right from Liberia or Mauritania or Senegal, down through any of the other places through West Africa. It could be any of us. The Bible says, what do you have that you did not receive? Who causes you to differ from another? How different are you and I from a woman in Rwanda walking with her children barefooted through the forest of Africa because soldiers have driven them out of their homes? It's, it's just God who picked you to be born here and then picked her to be born in this village. That's the only difference. That's the only difference. A Christian African woman, that's the only difference. So let's think about others. Let's not think only about ourselves. When you think about others, you don't spend all your money on yourself. You pay your tithe so that the house of God can be full, so that the work of God can go on. When you think about others, you give offerings so that the work of God can go on, so that full-time pastors can be paid. I'm not a full-time pastor, so I can say that. That's my husband, says, I can say it. You go and I'm saying, I can say it confidently, and even they can also say it confidently. You, you, you do what you can do for, all your money cannot be used. Help some of your relatives. Help somebody's child who would never go to university even in Africa, go to school. Think about others. Think about someone else. Be like Esther. You see, the life where you think only of yourself, it doesn't take you anywhere. It doesn't do what you think it will do. Only a life that is lived like Christ's life will get you where you want to get. Because you see, Christ was like Esther. He is the original person. He left heaven. We sing the song. He left his home in heaven. He, doesn't have, he didn't have to come and become a man, but he became a man. And then he humbled himself to be obedient to the death on the cross. And that's what he did. And Esther is one of the best examples we have of that life. Let's be like Esther this International Sunday. Let, her, let your life affect other lives. Let your life bring glory to his name. Thank you so much. We bless the name of God. Amen. Before we close, I just want to say this, that he left his home high in glory. And I want us all to bow down and pray for a heart that is like Christ. The Bible has already provided it for us. In his word, he says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Let's ask God that our lives will model Christ, that it will model Esther's, that we will think of others, that we will live for others, because that is the life that truly honors the Jesus who died for our sins. If you are here today, you never gave your life to Jesus, you never invited him to be your savior and your redeemer, I'd like to pray with you. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you honor. We thank you for what you have made of one man's obedience. That you have turned one man's obedience, our bishops, into this great church around the world. We thank you for the salvation that we have found in it or outside it. We thank you for the establishments in Christian doctrine and in principles that we have found here. We pray for the grace to be like Esther, Lord pray for the grace to be Christ-like, to think of others, to think of others, to think of your will for our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
You've been blessed. For copies of this message or other such messages, please write to us at tapesandpublications at yahoo.com.